Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Grizzlies Podcast with Grizzlies beat reporter Ron Tillery. Ron Tillery here, uh, the only beat writer the Grizzlies have ever known in Memphis, and I'm joined by the only Grizzly head coach to never lose a game, David Fisdale. (laughs) So we're uh, just a few days in the training camp. You know, Coach, let's start here because you talk a lot about culture, Mm -hmm. and you make no bones about it. You're bringing a a lot of Miami with you. Absolutely. What what, what does that mean? Uh, Accountability uh, first. Uh, accountability to each other, um, accountability to everyone in the organization, from the janitor all the way up. Um, we all got to hold ourselves to a higher standard, and uh, no one can slack in that area. You know, we talk about leadership on all levels, where we develop leadership throughout the roster, uh, throughout the coaching staff. Uh, I want these guys to take ownership uh, of, of things, and so. Uh, when I say culture, it's just a structure that uh, a template to, you know, hold people to a certain standard, and that's really what it's about. And it goes from the court to the locker room to off the court. Uh, well, you, you certainly receive a lot of high praise. It's not just because you've been a part of championships in Miami; it's because how you've prepared to be a head coach. Um, you know. I asked you this uh, during your press conference, your initial one, but, but, but can you talk again about like why you are confident in being ready at this point in time? Um, you know, I had great bosses. I was, I was really lucky. Even my, when I coached college, um, you know, I coached my first time in college with my college coach, Brad Holland, ex-NBA champion, um, just a really awesome coach, great person who I'm still very close to. Uh, I soaked up a lot of knowledge from him. Um, you know, Ray Lopes, I was only with him for a year at Fresno, but man, we, we were under some dire circumstances and he still got that team to win the conference. And so just when you talk about building toughness and grit, uh, he was the epitome of that. He would work, he had worked with Kelvin Sampson in Oklahoma the year before for the final four teams that they had. And so you know, if you can remember those teams, those teams were pretty gritty. And, uh, so I learned a lot from Ray. And then, obviously, uh, Eric Musselman, uh, he was an offensive genius, is an offensive genius. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know that about him, but the guy is just on another planet when it comes to offense and, and you know, teaching guys how to be aggressive and, and how to play together. Uh, when I got with Mike Woodson, I think that's when I, you know, I really felt like a basketball dummy because Woody had just came from working with Larry Brown and they won the championship in Detroit. And when you talk about teaching defense, uh, holding guys accountable, developing players, uh, Woody was another level with that. And he really allowed me to coach. Um, Here I was, a young guy sitting behind his bench. He never met me, hired me sight unseen, just on recommendations. Um, and immediately turned me loose and let me make mistakes and let me coach and, and allowed me to grow. Um, so 
that was that was something that really uh, impacted who I am now. And then obviously, Eric Spolstra being the catalyst to this whole thing. You know, he doesn't get enough credit for the coach that he is. Um, personally, I think he's one of the best in the league, and maybe I'm a little biased, but a lot of people say, you know, coaching the Big Three team was should have been easy. Anybody could coach that team, and I say BS. That was one of the hardest teams we ever had to coach, to get those guys to share the ball, to get them to sacrifice uh, for the greater good. Um, you know, those things were difficult, to get them to defend with incredible effort and not rely on four other guys to protect them, but everybody had to do it. Uh, he really set those guys, uh, uh, set a high standard for those guys and, and held them accountable to that and really pushed them to that. And I just learned a lot underneath him. Um, obviously, he's my friend, but, man, I'm just telling you, he is an incredible coach. He's always open-minded. He always has a growth mindset about things. He's always making himself uncomfortable. Um, I obviously made him very uncomfortable a lot <laughs> as an assistant. Uh, he always you would challenge him. I always yeah. challenged yeah. him, and he, he wanted that. He wanted that from me, and uh, it really allowed me to go to another level. Um, you know, he basically – you know, I was an extension of him on the court. You know, it would be days where he wouldn't say nothing for 15 minutes in practice, but I'm doing all of the coaching, you know. So he was, without telling me, he was already preparing me for this. And then, you know, I try not to miss a day um, where I didn't speak to Coach Riley. I spent, you know, whether it was 10 minutes, whether it was 30 minutes, you know, I tried to talk to him every single day. And very few of the conversations were X's and O's. You know, he'd show me some plays we should look at or ways to post a guy here and there, but it was always cultural. It was always about, um, you know, building something bigger, you know, and, and not just showing up and coaching, but building something bigger, making them better men. Um, that's what his. That's what he was about. Uh, and, it, and you could see it because who comes back to work for him but other than guys that play for him. Right. And it's because they love them and they'll run through a wall for them. And so going through all of that in my career, you know, over the last, you know, 18 years or so, I, I really felt like I was prepared for this. You know, they really molded me and allowed me to make certain mistakes. And, and by any means, you know, I'm not saying I've arrived at all. I'm going to make some mistakes here in my first year here. And, you know, the key is can I, can I limit those and can I, can I learn from them quickly? Uh, but I do feel like those, all of those guys uh, had a, had a, a say-so in me being ready for this. And a lot of the assistants I worked with, you know, hell, Bob Bender and Keith, uh, Keith Smart, both I worked underneath those guys for different teams. And here they are with me now as assistant coaches. Both of them were mentors to me. Larry Drew, you know, uh, Jim Boylan, uh, Ron Rothstein was instrumental in me becoming the coach that I am. I mean, you're talking about a guy – a master of defense, a master of understanding the season and how, when to push a guy and when to back off. Um, you know, these guys all had say-so in me being ready for this, and I credit them and I thank them for it. Well, we're in the third day of training camp, and obviously we'll get into some basketball, but one last thing on culture. Um, when you talk to the players, you know, you know, they love the fact that you're so direct, that like, like you're honest and, uh, and authentic. It reminds me of when Hubie Brown took over. It reminds me of when Lionel Hollins came in and, and turned this team into a 51 team. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, how important is that? You know, I mean, you, you didn't play in the NBA, but you, you know, you know, basketball at a high level. And, and but but the idea that you have to be authentic, yes. how, how 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 would you describe how important that is? It's critical. I mean, you got to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, my job is is not just to show up for the game and start coaching. But my job is to be honest with these guys on where they stand and what they need to improve on. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not necessarily easy to say, and and maybe you don't want to deal with the reaction from a player. But at the end of the day, they got to respect the fact that you're being honest with them. Mm -hmm. And they may not always agree with you, so it doesn't seem like truth at first. But I'm never going to tell them something that I don't have evidence of. You know, that's something I harp on my assistant coaches. Don't bring me suggestions unless you got some evidence. You know, because that's what I grew up in. I, you know, I couldn't go to Eric Musselman or Woody or especially Spo without data. You know, without having a, a a body of work that says, "Hey, we need to work on this. We need to we need to fix this." And so, if I go to a player to to fix something, you better believe it's something that I'm seeing consistently. And guys really want they want to hear the truth. They want to know where they stand. And if they're not playing for some reason, they want to know why. And so I'm always going to explain the why. I'm never going to be above the why. Because if I was a player, I would want to know that too. You know, this is your career. This is your livelihood. Your family is being fed off of, off of you know, your productivity, basically. And so uh, I really just try to tell the truth. But without, I'm not trying to break them. But I always will also explain why. And I think they respect that. Let's get to uh, the training camp. Chris Wallace, the, uh, the Grizzlies general manager, you know, made it a point on media day to say, like, we have a, a nice dynamic with the roster. You got a bunch of guys who have had years of experience in the league. There's probably not much of a middle, but you got a bunch of young guys who three years or less. Right. Uh, and, and so, like, for you, like, like how are you going to strike that balance in, in terms of player development and just winning basketball games? Well, again, these guys coming back early really helped that. Mm-hmm. You know, these young guys were here all summer. So they really got an education over the course of the summer from myself or from the coaching staff um, and really getting a lot of drill work in, a lot of shots, um, understanding the culture. They were ahead of the veterans, you know, because it started. That's why I wanted to coach summer league, so I can just start instilling culture into these guys right away and uh the fact that Jermichael you know he plays summer league so he got a taste of it right out the gate and you know a lot of these guys are ahead of schedule from that standpoint and you know I don't have to rely on that many young guys from that standpoint we got a a very good veteran core of 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 nine or ten guys that you know have you know they don't get sick at sea they, uh, they, they, they've been through this before. And, uh, you know, but I, I got a feeling one or two of these young guys can, can really make some strides to crack the lineup. And uh, I'm leaving it wide open for them to do that. Talked to you recently about James Ennis, and I know you got Troy Daniels. But, but if, if you were to put your finger on one guy who you really needed to be an X factor, who would that be? It would be James Ennis, okay. you know, because his size. You know, again, to beat these teams that are, that are already ahead of us from that standpoint – we got to have multiple guys that are versatile. And James brings incredible versatility uh, with his shooting, his ability to put it on the floor. Uh, he's a great cutter and offensive rebounder. And then defensively, you know, he can guard multiple positions. And so James really, um, he's prepared for this. He really had an awesome summer. That, like I said, the day he signed with us, he said, Coach, don't worry about it. I'll see you in Memphis when you get there because I'm going tomorrow. 
and he he's been there ever since, you know, and uh, he's prepared himself to, to be an X factor for us, and he knows what I expect. We've obviously had a, a, a long-standing relationship already. Uh, you know, I've watched him go through a lot of things personally and been there for him from that standpoint, and so our relationship is really strong, and, and I've got a feeling that James doesn't want to let me down. You know, I, I really feel that. Uh, backup point guard. Um, is is there a level of concern there, or or when when you think of Andrew Harrison and Wade Baldwin, like where's the bar? High. The bar is high. You know, I I, I think Wade thinks I'm a lunatic because <laughs> I stopped practice more for him than anybody else. But like I told him, I said, don't take it personal. I'm preparing you for something bigger. You want to just be an NBA player, you're probably on the wrong team. But if you want to be a champion, I'm preparing you for that. And so, um, you know, I'm rolling the ball out, and whoever the cream rises to the top, you know, I'm letting those guys battle it out, and they'll push each other and make each other better. And, and you know, whichever guy comes out on top, that's who I go with. A lot of guys have said you've emphasized defense uh, early in this training camp. Um pick-and-roll defense last year was a problem for the Grizzlies. Uh, I don't know how much you've watched that, and, and, and can you just yeah can you, can you just tell me like how you plan maybe to improve that? I'm just going to drill it, man. It's only one, <laughs> it's only one way to do it, man. It's, you can't talk about it. you got to work at it. And yeah. So uh, we spent a lot of time on that you know, the last few days, um, a lot today, uh, because you know who we're going against. I mean, these guards are unbelievable, man. I, I'm you know, so many good pick and roll players in this league now uh, that there's only one way to do it. You got to work at it, and it's got to be systematic. And then there has to be guys that transcend the defense. You know, where where it breaks down, and they can save a possession, save a play. Um, and I'm harping on that too. I told him, I said, I can't coach every single thing. So sometimes your wingspan or your athleticism or your speed has to make up for a breakdown in our defense, but. We're really drilling the hell out of it at nauseum, and uh, you know, hopefully, it's going to sink in, and we'll have a, a great defensive identity. I know it's been a whirlwind summer for you. Um, what, what's been more difficult, being a first-time head coach or being a project manager at your house <laughs> uh, doing renovations? No doubt, the project <laughs> manager, man, because I've had it going to two places. You know, obviously, the word has been out about all of the changes I've made here, right. and you know. I think some of the people here think I'm a little nutty because I'm harping on every detail. You know, if it's not done right, if the color isn't right, if the wording isn't right, do it again. You know, we're gonna everybody's gonna be held to the same standard, whether it's the guy painting the hallway or putting up a picture, or if it's my players on the court. We're all gonna be held to that standard, and so um, I was doing that, you know, rebuilding this place, and then every time I leave and pull up to my house. I'd have to take a couple of deep breaths because my house was has been a disaster, you know, and my poor wife has been there basically being a, a she's a site foreman right now. And, you know, and I just, you know, I've tried to relieve some of that duty off of her because she's taking care of our three dogs, which I'm happy you adopted a dog. That's awesome. Go out and adopt dogs, people. I did. And, uh, and so that's probably been very tough, you know, living in construction uh, and, and still trying to do the job. That's been tough, but... You know, we knew we, we were already mentally prepared for, for all of it. You know, the change is never easy, uh, but it's been so exciting for me. I haven't had time to, to, to bitch and moan. Yeah. Well, I, one last thing, Coach. Um, you're going to have the open practice, the public practice on Saturday. Yeah. And I know it's just not 
a public practice for you? Like there, there's a uh, a meaning behind it, uh, if you will. You know, explain. We we this this game is really not for the game. You know, when I first told uh, our, our marketing people that I wanted to do the game, you know, they were all excited because they were thinking, oh, we're going to play a game early and be able to do this and that. And you know, I said no. I said this game is about um, charity. This game is about us getting involved. This game is about being a solution to some of the stuff that's going on. You know, I, I'm tired of talking and just talking. You know, the symposiums are great. Don't get me wrong. The thing I did at the Civil Rights Museum was an incredible honor, and I'd do it a hundred times again. But at the same time, when I say Memphis, we got to get our hands dirty. I got to lead by example, and so I wanted this game to be the kickoff to something great. And, you know, with everything that's going on between the police and the community, uh, we got together with the, with Memphis PD because they want to make change as well. And, and Director Rollins, who's been incredible, he's been so welcoming. He's already like a brother to me. I mean, a guy didn't shake my hand the first time he met me. He hugged me, and that was just so awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we're going to kick off a, a Memphis Police Department mentorship program uh, where uh, we, we raise money and our foundation gives money. Uh, to pay these officers in off-duty hours to go to community service centers in the neighborhood and start getting hands-on with these kids and building relationships with these kids and giving them some some guidance and mentorship so that it's not just a guy on the street corner selling dope that they look up to. You know, it's not it's not a guy who shot someone and that's going to prison that they look up to. These are guys that's that you know uh, upstanding citizens in their community. Uh, that are given back to them. And so uh, it's not just, like I said before, it's not just going to be the officers. You know, I'm going to have myself, my coaching staff, the players. I'm going to be hitting on the front office guys. All of us need to go to these places and start spending time with these kids and showing them there are other options out there. Um, and so I wanted I wanted to be solution-based with, with everything, with all the people to talk and, and doing interviews and all of this stuff is great, but are we doing something to impact? And so... Right out the gate, I wanted, which Memphis is always out in front when it comes to community stuff, I wanted to keep that going and be right out in front and create something that has real lasting change. Well, Coach Fizz, I really appreciate you joining us. And uh, since we're in this tight room and I know you would win the fight, that's fit, that's Fizz with two Zs. <laughs> Absolutely. Come on, man. We got to get the commercial appeal on board. Grizz and Fizz with two Zs, man. That's what it's about. And people, please... Uh, if you're listening to this, please come out on Saturday. It's free. It, if you show up, you get a voucher for another free preseason game. And for every person that shows up, our foundation will donate money in honor of you to this project. And so we're putting our money where our mouth is. And uh, the only thing that helps it is people showing up. The more people show up, the more money we have to put into the program. So come on, Memphis, get out there and let's, let's make some real change. All right. Well, we'll be back at you with another Grizzlies podcast soon. Like the Commercial Appeal on Facebook and follow on Twitter at Memphis News. This is the Commercial Appeal.